0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. No games this week. Well, you know, unless you're a, unless you're an England fan, um, but you shouldn't be anyway, should you? Really? Come, there's no patriotism, here, no nationalism. This is a Spurs podcast, and that's why I'm joined by Mr. Jamie Weir of Sky Sports. How are you doing, mate? It's a pleasure to have very, you on.
1: I, I, thanks for having me. Uh, this is going to be some much-needed catharsis, I think.
0: Is this is this kind of like the this is the uncensored version of you, right? That's, did, we're we going to get that's the, right. Yeah, you're getting me. The, a clean
1: broadcast, Jamie. Wherever right? this is, warts and all. Although yeah. increasingly, I'm becoming that way on air as well, to be honest. I just, you know, I'll speak my mind these days. That seems to be the the way to go at Sky Sports at the moment. So, yeah, I've got some fairly strong opinions on what's going on at the moment. Get a nice letter from Ofcom, I'm sure, though. I'm sure
0: <laughs> soon enough. Yeah, yeah, that's it. How, how, exactly. how, how are you getting on, mate? Anyway, can you uh, let's let's start with where you've been today. Uh, today being Friday, the 24th of March, yeah.
1: So Dropped off the, dropped off the kids this morning in the school run, ready to go into the office and be the sort of on set reporter on Conte Watch today. And uh, just after I dropped the girls off, phone rings. Can you get down to Harry Redknapp's house instead? So um, I've just been down to Sandbanks, just seen Harry, just had a cup of tea made for me by Sandra, and um, yeah, great to see the old boys looking well. Nice to have a chat with them.
0: It's funny, like I was saying to you earlier on on WhatsApp. Like I know he's quite a polarizing figure, but I've I've, I've I do have a soft spot
1: for Harry Redknapp. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it was, yeah, I mean, it was a good it, time, wasn't it? Where did the polarizing come from? I mean, I I, I loved the I, I loved the Harry Redknapp years at Spurs. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they were. Just, and do you know what? I asked him earlier when I was interviewing. I, I said to him, you know, Spurs fans just want to be entertained again. It feels like we've had to watch, to endure such dull football recently. And I think back to the Pochettino side, or I think back to your side, Harry. And it was just—it was so fun to watch. He's, ah, oh, you know, but always lucky. I had the likes of Luka Modric and <laughs> Rafa Endeavor and Aaron Lennon. And as he just kept listing off these players, I was like, "Fuck yeah, that was such a good side, wasn't it? Like they were all just so fun to watch. Such gifted, entertaining footballers. And wouldn't it be lovely to have that again?
0: I've got to say, first off, off the bat of that, like that is an astonishingly good impression, Jamie. I've got. To, I've got Do you know order. what? That's
1: really good I actually did I actually did my Harry Redknapp impersonation to Harry Redknapp today as well because um, I was telling him an anecdote which I love telling people which is when we played Milan in the 2011 Champions League and obviously won 1-0 out of the San Siro and Crouchy scored and Joe Jordan took off his glasses and squared up to Gennaro Gattuso and uh, that famous night, took them back to White Hart Lane, goalless draw under the lights, and Sandro was man of the match in that night. That, that night, he was he was incredible. And the following morning, I was sent down to Spurs' old training ground down in Chigwell to do like a follow-up story with Harry Redknapp. And I'd never told Harry this anecdote before, but I decided this morning, he was in good form, so I thought this is the time to tell it. And I said, Harry, the following morning, I was sent down to the training ground to speak to you. And as the cameraman was getting set up, um, I said to you, oh, you know, um, Harry, what about Sandro last night? And you said, oh, no, no, sadly, she couldn't make it. Now she had to stay home and look after the dogs. And I said, no, no, Sandro, Harry. Oh, Sandro, I thought you meant Sandro. Oh, no, yeah, Sandro, he was trippy, he was trippy. So I told Harry Reddnapp that anecdote this morning and did, he enjoyed it. So he did, we
0: he went down, because it's, it's always a risky it game, is. isn't it, doing an impression off somebody to them, because they might be yeah, like, that's I sound like. It's not what I sound like, you tusser,
1: you know. I mean, everybody loves attempting a Northern Irish impersonation with me, and I've heard very few good ones over yeah. the years. Oh, how how now, brown cow? Eh? Yeah, a nice one. Yeah, if you can get high now, Brown Kai then you've you've nailed it. To be honest, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, it, oh, mate, can you tell that you know? Because I'm I'm sort of I'm, it's, it's like getting into like a nice warm duvet that talking about like kind of Spurs of yesteryear, these kind of heroic Champions League runs and. Yeah, your yeah. Aaron Lennons and thinking about like a Sandro Wilson Palacios double pivot in the midfield. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's such a stark contrast to everything.
1: We'll be, the, we'll, we'll be back there again soon, Jack. Yeah, well, I'm always a strong so. believer. I'm always a strong believer, and you know, it's never as bad as you think it is. And I um, oh, will be back. There's we'll a lot be, of good we'll, young we'll, players. The glory, right? the glory days will be back soon.
0: A lot of good young players. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get it. We'll get into. We'll get into that.
0: Well, the let's 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 talk about somebody else you've met right because that that'll probably be more relevant to the here and now not this trip down memory lane stuff got to, we got to get over that
1: mm.
0: we got to face this head on that i mean that that antonio conte press conference was was frankly quite astonishing um, yeah. you've you've met him a few times right mm. G- gentlemanly in person i guess right so
1: like here's the thing I've obviously been in many Antonio Conte press conferences. I've interviewed him one-to-one several times as well. I've always really enjoyed chatting to him. I find him really interesting and engaging. And I remember the first time I did a one-to-one with him, Anthony Marshall, the Spurs press officer, sort of introduced me as, oh, Antonio, this is Jamie, he's a Spurs fan. And I said, oh, yeah, sorry. Hi, Antonio, how are you doing? You know, I'm actually only 23 years old, but being a Spurs fan has done this to me. And he <laughs> laughed his head off. He thought this was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. When I come, I have no grey hairs. Look at me now. And he's pointing like, oh, he's got grey hairs since he's arrived at Tottenham. And we oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then I remember another time I interviewed him. I, it was actually just before Christmas. And I said to him, so it must have been the first game back, that Brentford game. Which now seems like a long time ago. Um, and I said, I finished the interview by saying, uh, Bu- Buon Natale, Fel- Felice Anno Novo, Happy, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in Italian, right? And he was like, Oh, you speak Italian? And I was like, Well, no, but I speak Spanish. And I, I sort of got a smattering of Italian. And I had an Italian girlfriend once. So I know what all the swear words are in Italian. I always knew when I was in trouble. He laughed his head off at this. He thought this was great, this was hilarious. So we've always got on pretty well. And I've always really enjoyed interviewing him. But, you know, some of the language recently is just, I mean, I know that you and I are singing off the same hymn sheet in this, we feel the same way about it, has just been pretty mystifying. And, you know, I always think that, well, every fan base, but Spurs in particular, because I'm surrounded by the most, I always think that the Spurs fans are particularly fickle. Well, I think I'm probably pretty fickle as well, because... You know, I was I loved Antonio Conte, and I was desperate for him to work out, for, for things to work out with him. And I think I've now reached the point where it's just like he's just a square peg in a round round hole. Is that's the sort of the kindest thing you can say about it? He's just he doesn't fit the club, the club doesn't fit him. It's an unhappy marriage. And yeah, you know there were probably people who saw that writing on the wall <clears throat> a lot earlier than I did. Um, and there are people who were even saying from day one, oh, it's not going to work out, it's going to end in tears. And yeah, well done, you've been proven right again. But we all wanted it to work out, didn't we?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, touching on the the language and just, I guess, his general demeanour, how it's been lately. I, I kind of, I, th- I think, what's really irritated me out in the in the back end of this is not just. Look, I know there's a split with Spurs fans, right? There's some people that are like, you've got to back this guy, proven winner, blah 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 blah. And then you've got the split of people who are just, you know, kind of like myself. It's like, look, I, d- I don't want to hear a manager slagging off my club like this. And I think what's disappointing me the most is it's been even sort of certain circles, and I'm not asking you to cast shade on any of your kind of contemporaries, but mm. there's been certain circles in the media that are just kind of accepting, which I think was a pretty shocking press conference the other day. Just said, "Well, no, that's what that's what Spurs need to hear. That's what the owners need to hear." It was, it was, it was. It was I, I still, I've watched it back several times, and despite people saying, "Oh, he's not actually saying anything that bad." it was awful it's 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 it's, okay. it's, it's going to go down in my opinion we were talking about this on talksport the other day I said it's going to go down like um kevin keegan's rant and stuff like that it's one of those big premier league rants when a when a manager has just thrown the club under the bus using all of the same jibes and rhetoric that rival fans do about us you know and it's it, it, yeah. it's it's i don't think we should have to see that just be, whether you have a, an opinion on the owners of the club or not it's, it's, it's not your place to do that, right?
1: Yeah, like I watched I watched actually the other day saying you know your analogy in your podcast the other day with with Rich was perfect. Like, look, I can call my dad a nobed, but you're not allowed to call him a nobed. I thought that was absolutely you know on money and. I've heard people, that, you know, various people say that he lost the plot. Uh, Antonio Conte lost the plot in his press conference. No, he didn't lose the plot at all. It's everything that he's believed for a long time. It suddenly came to the surface. Everything that he's been hiding and not wanting to say it suddenly came to the surface, and that's the most galling thing. That he's he's thought this way all along. He's thought that it's this club with this losing mentality inbuilt in its DNA and that the players are selfish and don't care about the club. He's obviously thought that way for a long time. I mean, I thought it was just extraordinary, and he, there's so many things about it that, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, "Ah, oh, well, he was absolutely right with everything he said. It's no, bonanza. he wasn't absolutely yeah, right with everything nonsense. he said. You you cannot tell me, like, when he calls players selfish and says they don't care about the club, a lot of those players have been there at the club a long, a lot longer than he has, and they'll be at the club a long time after he leaves as well. You cannot look at Harry Kane, Hyung min Son, Ollie Skip, a boyhood Spurs fan, Pierre emile Hoybier, Ben Davis, and tell me they don't care about the club. Now people might be able to people some people might question their ability. Some people might say, Oh, you know, we need an upgrade upgrade on Eric Dyer or Ben Davis or whoever it might be. But you can't question their commitment. They go out there and they run their socks off for ninety minutes. There's very few exceptions where you can show me anybody mailing in a performance. Maybe one Spurs player who who's at Napoli at the moment would be would have been guilty of that in recent history, but you know, I, I don't look at them and see any lack of desire, lack of heart, lack of work rate. But they are going out there and they are fulfilling the manager's instructions. And we've got a manager who sends them out there to cling on for dear life, hopefully nick a one nil win. And that's not playing to our strengths. And look, just looking at that last 10 minutes of the Southampton game, and we're looking at 10 minutes in isolation, but, you know, he, he takes off... Kulisewski and Porro, who'd been attacking threats all game. He brings on Emerson, Royale and Pap Sar And I'm not saying anything about them as footballers, but they're more defensively minded. Yeah. And then you watch the last 10 minutes of the game, and we just two banks of five just clinging on for dear life, inviting pressure from the team that's sitting bottom of the league. And look, it was a bullshit penalty decision, but is it any wonder then that an equaliser is con- conceded? Because... You're, just, you're asking for trouble when you play that way. So to then sit in a press conference and say, oh, they're selfish, they lack desire, they don't want to work hard for each other. Nonsense. They've just been set up in a way that is, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot sometimes.
0: Well, the, the, the thing that I find strange about this, though, is these were players that were just a few months ago, tail end of last season, were running through walls for him. You know, it looked mm. like... Finally, suddenly, you know, we'd had the kind of the real down point of Burnley away when I I thought we was going to walk away at that point, right? But from that point, it kind of went from strength to strength, and you know, we turned over that Arsenal side who had who still had that kind of like the the goodwill of the public behind them, really. You know, Arsenal are kind of they are one of those teams that everyone's second team kind of thing, you know, other than ours. Mm. Obviously, <laughs> even Chelsea fans seem to you know have a soft spot for Arsenal, which is just bizarre to me. Um, but, you know, so I just find it strange that like, you're telling me that that team, that team that you managed to galvanise, that looked so good at the tail end of last year, that we kind of went into the summer thinking like, you know what, actually, we might be onto something here. Finally, maybe he's just cracked it. Yeah. And just from that point, well, okay, Southampton was an all right start. And I guess we battled back against Chelsea. I, mean, I, I The start of the season, it was always characterised by this sense that, when we actually click, when we get back into form, we're going to be really good. Totally. At play. But we're getting results and not playing that nicely. But we've just carried on not playing that nicely, and it, it just uh, but how... but
1: but not but not getting the results. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. How,
0: how how are we here?
1: You know. Like... I don't know, and and that's the thing. I just I don't know how it's unravelled so spectacularly and so quickly. And you know, I've heard a lot of people over the last few days sort of compare that Burnley. I'll use the word rant, but I don't like the word rant, but use that Burnley rant and compare it to this one against Southampton. The difference was at Burnley, as you said, every Spurs fan after hearing that was like, please, please don't leave. Please stay with us. Please, honestly, I promise you we'll get better. We'll turn a corner for you. Whereas now, after this one, everyone's just like, I'll bugger off then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really that bothered if you leave now, frankly. That, that's the big difference between now and last year, I think, isn't it? It's the majority, um, though, isn't it? I, I think,
0: obviously, you've got some people that are still kind of, like I say, cling yeah. on to that, that sense, that, I don't know, whatever it is, that kind of vague sense of what success and but should and is,
1: you know, should look, be and and, and, is. It, and here's the thing, like, you know, look, what, what I often tell people, right, is, All of these players, every player playing in the Premier League, is an exceptional footballer. like Everybody will always say, Oh, Davison Sanchez is shit. Well, no, he's not. He's he's an exceptional footballer. To have made it this far, to have made it to this level, they're all brilliant footballers, right? The difference then comes, that final 1% or 2% comes in motivating those players, setting them up to make the, the most from them here's a novel idea, coaching them to improve them as well, coaching those mistakes out of them, saying, have you tried this, you know, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Now, if you're with one of those players and all you've heard in press conferences over the last few weeks in particular is, this is impossible. My hands are tied here. Oh my God, you've got no idea how difficult this job is. We're never going to achieve success here. We can't possibly compete. Top four would be an absolute miracle. You're going to be thinking, oh, cheers, boss. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted that you've got so much faith in me. I'm going to go out there and run through brick walls for you now. Like it's such a, and that whole shtick, that whole oh you guys are so lucky to have me. You've got no idea how lucky you are that I've managed that I've lowered myself to managing this absolute shit show of a football club. You know I can't possibly work under these conditions. That whole shtick has worn really thin, and I think it's worn thin with fans and with a lot of players, from what I understand as well. So mate you
0: said you were uh, you were on conte watch today that well you were supposed to be anyway before you got the call from harry Yeah. what is going on what is conte like, watch, what, what is exactly. what is conte what is going on what is going on was it just you going to be standing outside the training ground waiting for No, was, to I, hear I had something? that joy
1: I had that joy on Wednesday standing outside the training ground when something was definitely going to happen and it didn't and then yesterday something was definitely going to happen and it didn't and but my honest feelings now uh, as this week has worn on you know it's now we're recording this at 2 p.m on a Friday afternoon and it was 6 p.m on Saturday that he went on his tirade against the club and left this scorched earth in his wake my honest feeling now is he's going to stay to the end of the season because I think if, if he was going to go it would have been done by now and I think they're just going to muddle through in this sort of unhappy marriage until the summer and then sort of reassess things from there it, that, that's what I, that, that's my hunch but um then again, it also wouldn't surprise me if next week we've got, you know, the Ryan Mason, Yaya Toure, whoever else, dream team running the show until the end of the season. I, I don't know. I think the impression I'm getting from speaking to people is that the players are kind of sick and tired. They've had enough. They're they they they're fed up of sort of last minute changes to plan. And they're, they, you know, they were looking forward to going on this international break because it was just it was just a break from the miserable atmosphere around Spurs training ground Um, so so look it's a risk either way for Levy right because you either cling on to this manager who at the end of the day strip everything away he's obviously you know a proven manager who you know a mere 12 months ago at this stage of the season managed to turn a corner with this squad and get us top four and get us Champions League football so you stick with him and you hope that he gets top four football or you do what we did the year before that and cut loose with a proven winner at this period and hope that ryan mason a young upcoming from all the indications are pre-tactically astute coach can somehow get a tune out of them and i say get a tune out of them like they're some like you know sunday league side these are all bloody good footballers but can somehow manage to drag us over the line and look i still think there's a great chance we can finish top four because i don't think manchester united are any great shakes i think newcastle have hit a bit of a brick wall um, Liverpool are obviously coming like a train but then they'll throw in a random 1-0 defeat to Bournemouth so I, 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 there's nothing around us that I'm, I'm particularly worried about but top 4 is 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 a big carrot obviously to then again recruiting in the summer um, so pff, I've kind of gone around in circles there not really answered your question but would it surprise me if he's still manager for that Monday night football game against Everton? No. Would it surprise me if it's Ryan Mason and whoever alongside him in the dugout? No. But, I mean, that is really drilling down into what the biggest issue that a lot of us have with Tottenham at the moment, which is just this complete lack of communication that we're all just second-guessing, and we're just desperate to know what's going on. I heard you say in the podcast the other day, you know, that lot down the road, it sticks in our throat to say it, but they've got such a clear strategy that everyone is bought into, and they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, whereas... At Spurs, it's just this muddled thinking and like, what the hell is going on? Nobody knows. And there's mixed messages coming out the whole time.
0: Well, this is the interesting thing. Jack Pitbrook was talking about on the athletics pod the other day. Um, One of the sort of concerns that people seem to have is that Enoch or whoever it is that is in charge of this type of stuff, they don't really have the best kind of sense of football strategy. And right. really, the idea is just going to be probably, if Conte does go out the door, we'd all be sat here kind of podcasting or writing or whatever, ha- having ideas about who it should be. Julian Nagelsman who's provided this kind of curveball, for example, at yeah. the moment. Young, progressive, ticks a lot of boxes. But the chances are that for Spurs, it's going to be like, well... Luis Enrique's there so you know he, he, he yeah. won some he won the treble with Barcelona and he was Spain manager let's get him in you know but, but, but you kind mm. of like it, it leaves me sort of asking you know does 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 Luis Enrique's football tiki-taka does that, does that work in the Premier League does that work for Tottenham does that work with the type of players we have you know is he a good mm. cultural fit for the club for the league for anything it, 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 this is where I'm kind of because I, I this is something we have spoken about before about the kind of the hesitancy to be fully kind of like, get Levy out of the club. They've done mm. nothing. Look at the lack of success we've had under their, you know, stewardship and those sort of things. That, these really binary kind of ideas yeah, about, totally. you know, what they've achieved or what they haven't achieved. You know, we all know the position Tottenham are in before Enoch and Levy took over. And we right. can see quite clearly where we are now. We're in a great position to do something my growing concern however is that we're not capitalizing on that in a footballing sense and yeah I don't know if we will it, it just kind of because I don't know if you on the last pod I was saying you know we're all kind of getting emotional about it and we're all getting kind of like oh, Conte's got to go what a disastrous appointment again from Levy and blah 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 mm. but the non-emotional take is well he's got Champions League football twice
1: Yeah, right. And and, you know, again, that's another thing that I've heard like quite a lot over the last few days. Is you know, well, Levy's got to take the the blame for this because he got this appointment wrong again. We were all bloody praising the appointment from the rooftops when he came to the club. So you know, nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody knows how things are going to pan out. And look. It's now been twice that they've appointed a manager. You know, in Mourinho and Conte, you've got two peas in the same pod there, haven't you? Here are these like proven winners who want things a certain way, and when they don't get their way, they throw the toys out of the pram and they leave this scorched earth, as I said before, in their wake. So maybe Daniel Levy should have learned his lesson that it didn't work with Mourinho, it's not going to work with Conte either. But even then, you know, when Conte was appointed, people were saying, but it's not the same as Mourinho because he's still, you know, he's achieving success at the moment. Conte, it's not like Mourinho where it was 10 years ago that he was achieving success. And, you know, he's not an analogue manager in a digital age like Mourinho was and blah, blah, blah. So I find it hard to blame Daniel Levy for appointing Antonio Conte because I think 99.9% of Spurs fans, pundits, whoever, thought it was a great appointment at the time. Now, the next appointment is obviously, again, another massive decision. And they've various managers have, have got little sort of inbuilt risks that come with them. Luis Enrique is never managed in the Premier League. Uh, Ruben Amorim is a young, exciting manager, never managed in the Premier League. Julian Nagelsmann obviously is incredibly, plays exciting football, young, dynamic, exciting. I can see the lure of that as well. There's only one manager out there who we know does know the league and... Does love the club and I think would unite the fan base. I, I'm sure I, I know that there's still a little corner Spurs fans who are like, No, you never go back, it's never as good second time round. But like, we all know that Mauricio Pochettino, you know, fits Spurs like a glove and vice versa. That's still the one that I want. Um, I don't know what camp you're in at the moment, whether the Julian Nagelsman ball last night suddenly. You know, a lot. I see a lot of people sort of saying, "Look, this is—it's very off. It's very rare that Spurs have an opportunity fall into their lap like this, and they would be idiots to pass it up." So, I don't know. Are you now fully Nagelsmann rather than Potch? Oh no, no, Poch all the way for me. It's—it's—it's got to be that. But it just—it seems,
0: and you'll know better than me on this, mate. It just seems very quiet on that front. It, it feels to me like yeah. it's something that if they really wanted that to happen, It would have happened by now, or at least we'd be hearing a lot more about it. You know. We talk about the lack of communication from the club, but we generally, when the club want us to know something, we know about it, right? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's generally how it works with Tottenham. It, finds, has it finds
1: a way of leaking out whenever it, they want yeah, it, something. Yeah, funnily
0: enough, eh, doesn't it? But it's, I, I do wonder, you know, because there is that part of me that thinks, you know, there must be at the moment with Conte, and I'm by no means a kind of. Yeah, you know, contractual lawyer or anything like that, but I would imagine it's quite a tricky situation. What with him having this potential season extension, I can imagine. You know, yeah. From his perspective, he's probably like, "Well, you know, I haven't told you if I want to stay or go, and you might be denying me the chance to earn another fifteen million quid." Um, yeah, I thought it was it was Matt
1: Law who reported that, wasn't it? Yesterday, yeah. did I see this fifteen million extension if he gets top four? Yeah. I can't remember who it was. but I think it's Wattmore. Well, he, he really
0: revels in sticking yeah, the knife into Spurs. So, he, he, he
1: does, he does, he does indeed. Um, yeah, look, I, I actually don't know if there's any truth in that at all. I mean, I think one thing I can say with a, a 99.999% confidence is he's not going to be manager next season. Like, it, I think the two options are he either stays until the end of May or he goes at some point next week. I, I don't see there being any other option. I don't think there's option three, option C, which is he suddenly turns a corner, the players fall in love with him again, and he leads us to quadruple success next year. I don't think that's an option at all. So it's do you cut the ties now and you know four million pound compensation or whatever that means, which to be honest in Premier League terms is pocket change, or do you muddle through to the end of the season? hope that we can maybe have that top four, and then he rides off into the sunset, um, never to be seen around N17 again. I I think those are the two options. Um, So you would have to be particularly spiteful to (laughs) then demand £15 million and a contract extension, having made it clear that you don't want to be around these serial losers ever again.
0: Again, I guess in in that cold purely rational sense is that bit of you yeah. Like, yeah fair enough if you did really <laughs> you know but I, yeah, the Spurs fan in me is like my club get, get, yeah, gone. Yeah. get out of it on them on leaks and stuff obviously I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you to like give out anyone's personal information or anything but like you must have like a few like people here and there in different clubs and stuff that are like yeah hey, Jamie just to get you
1: ahead of the curve xyz right a few. I mean, there's other guys in our place, the likes of Darmesh or Cave who have far better contacts than that. But, yeah, no, every now and then you get a little heads up from from some people if something's about if something's bubbling away or just, you know, a little sort of nudge-nudge, wink-wink. You wouldn't be wrong if you said X, Y, Z, that kind of thing. Well, what's one of um, the best ones you've ever had, do you reckon?
0: Oh, wow. In the, oh, in the, well, in in the, the pantheon there. of leaks.
1: <laughs> pantheon of leaks? I mean, you've... Uh, you really put me on the spot there i can't think of one now in football terms i can't think of one i've had a pretty good one in in a different sport um but that's not really for this audience i suppose yeah, I it good um, it, mate, I it. well i mean i got i got the heads up that henrik stenson was going to be stripped of his Ryder cup captaincy last year which was kind of a big story that i broke in the world of golf um and that was just from a little sort of nudge nudge wink wink you wouldn't be wrong if you said this sort of thing but um sorry it's not a great answer that's right I wish I had something a bit more juicy for you. I'm probably think of something. You know, I'll it's gonna be one of those We're gonna, gonna stop recording.
0: Now. Can we re-record that bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Sorry. Not at all, mate. Mm.
0: Not at all. Um, sort of on the Pochettino Nagelsmann thing. What? Yeah. Uh, let's let's go into Nagelsmann a bit more because I've, I've just seen like your uh, your colleague David Garrido actually. Um, yeah. He's he's just done a little exclusive thing saying that Spurs are apparently looking into that's right yeah into Nagelsmann. Um, we, we've contacted him a couple of times in the past haven't we
1: yeah yeah he was he was he was definitely uh, um, quite high up in the list when Mourinho ended up getting appointed um, which was obviously like that was just days after Parcheth but I think Levy had already decided. Levy had wanted Mourinho as a Spurs manager for a long time, so that was always always. And he name happen.
0: checked us at the time. Nagelsmann didn't he? I remember he yeah. when he went to Bayern, he said, "Oh, I could have gone to Tottenham, but I didn't." Yeah, he was
1: like, "Oh, nice one, man. And Cheers. then, um, and then that long disastrous summer where it was, it was going to be Fonseca, and then it was going to be Gattuso, and then it was going to be whoever and whoever. I'm sure Nagelsmann was one of the names mentioned at that time as well. And then he went to Bayern Munich, which. Uh, you not really much you can do about that. So um, yeah, no, I, two to, a couple of times in the past we've, we've sniffed around Nagelsmann. There's obviously people high up in the club that admire him, understandably so. Um, and in many ways, he does tick a lot of boxes. As I said, you know, he would get us playing exciting football again. I think that's what so many people. I think so many people are now in the camp of look, I've made peace with the fact that Spurs are never going to win anything in my entire lifetime. <laughs> but at least if we can be entertaining in the process, I can live with that. Um, so we'd play, we'd play exciting football, um, he's young, he's dynamic, um, you know, uh, the the one thing I have heard, the one sort of thing in his con column is that I think he, he does sort of rub a few people up the wrong way and eventually ends up falling out with the board at clubs um, and where have we seen that before? Um, so, you know, there's, there's, the Spurs want to get their fingers burned on that score again. Uh, I don't know. I but for me, look, I'm a hopeless romantic like you. And since the day he left, I've wanted poch back. So um, I just want I just want someone to love us again. And he does. So it seems a complete no-brain. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't
0: stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. You've, you've, you've met him and spoken to him a few times as well. haven't
1: Yeah. You? Yeah. I love him. And again, you know, cause I speak Spanish. My grandmother's Argentinian. And, um, you know, so the very first time I interviewed him, we chatted away in Spanish for about like five minutes before the camera was even rolling about that. And, um, we sort of formed a little bit of a bond over that. So I would always say hello to him and say hello to Jesus in Spanish. And, um, we had one little run in, um, where it was the Inter Milan game in the Champions League when we lost 2-1 if you remember in the group stage and he hadn't played Alderweireld and, and somebody else There, there's a couple of sort of players that you're like why did you leave them out and um, I asked in the press conference you know in hindsight it was a mistake to leave them out and he like snapped at me in the press conference it was the first time that I've ever sort of seen you know a bit of a temper on him and I was like afterwards I said to my cameraman like, oh fuck I've... I've i pissed off Potch. I really don't like <laughs> pissing people off. And I went down to the mix soon and I was waiting to do a couple of interviews there. And all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder and it was Poch. And he kind and said, I am really sorry. I, I'm sorry I spoke, spoke to you that way. I, 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 I had no problem. It was a good question. I, I reacted badly. And I was just like, you didn't need to apologise, mate. I fucking love you. Um, so, yeah, he's just, he's a top man. And he just loves the club and he gets the club and he just... As I said, if Antonio Conte was a square peg in a round hole, Poch is just a man who, like Ross and Rachel, we belong together. I think. <laughs> Which
0: one of them smells better, Jamie? That's that's the important question.
1: I don't know. Do I'm not sure if, do, do you want to know the honest answer to the smell question? Right.
0: I bet Antonio Conte wears a big, heavy cologne. Right. He, I he bet you. I, he
1: strikes a... me as he strikes me as a creed man. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but it's but it's funny you should say that because a, th- a few weeks ago. Um, when Harry Kane broke the record, Jimmy Greaves record, the following day I was sent to interview Sherwood as the man who gave him his break, big break, and he came outside and we chatted away for a few minutes. And as he walked off, I said to my cameraman, he fucking smells amazing. Did you smell Tim Sherwood? Tim Sherwood smelt sensational. Did he? So say what you want about Tim Not Sherwood. Well, there you go. But, like, at least he smelled good. Say
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what you want about the gilet, but, yeah. you know... It- I'm often uh, I'm often hesitant to say anything positive about Tim Sherwood on here, to be honest, mate. As, as people know, if they've listened over the <laughs> years. However, he he actually had some very good points to make about the whole situation, Antonio Conte, everything like that. Um, on like a he did like a talk sport thing the other day. He was speaking for about ten minutes about the whole yeah. thing, and I, they were you could tell they were desperate to kind of like milk anti-Levy lines out of him, but he, he wasn't giving right. them anything. You know, I, th- I think he was. No. It's pretty rational and you know kind of perspective on the
1: whole thing. And do you know what? You know, obviously, I, what, this morning I spoke to Harry about it as well. I said, you know, did, did you have your frustrations with the board, and you know, how did you get on with Daniel? And you know, he, he's got nothing but praise to say about him. And I said, look, uh, there are, a, a, you know, a section of Spurs fans who think he's got no ambition and he's just happy with top four and blah blah blah. And he says that could not be further from the truth. Tottenham is that man's life. He is at that training ground every single morning at the crack of dawn, and he's there till till dark every evening. He Nothing nothing would give him greater happiness than Tottenham winning the league or winning the Champions League. It is a complete myth that there's no ambition from Daniel Levy. And I thought that was interesting to hear from Harry Redknapp, of all people. But people don't want to hear that, right? People. No, like, I know. Spurs, a lot of Spurs fans don't want to hear that, but... I would say
0: like large sections of the kind of media do still like to perpetuate you know, this narrative that he is, you know, this penny pincher as people often say. And I think we you know, we all know the reasons why this type of language comes into play on these sort of issues. But i just you know I, I I don't think he always gets it right and I, I, if I if I were to you could even see from just watching something like All or Nothing which was like a heavily edited thing he definitely strikes you as like the guy in the office that doesn't really know much about football I mean I can't imagine there's many people in your office that don't know much about football to be fair but in your average kind of standard workplace there'll always be that person that'll switch on when the World Cup's on and say something like you know why well, doesn't Thierry on replay yeah. for England then? You know, that type of thing. But <laughs> I, 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 it just it seems, I, 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 can, I always just arrive at this point, right, mate, where I just think, are oh, Tottenham just cursed? You know, are we just cursed? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I ponder that on a daily basis. And, um, you know, are we one, just one big social experiment to see how much misery you can inf- inflict upon a group of people before they finally snap? Right. Um, Because I was thinking about this the other day. I'm 40. I turned 42 months ago. And I always get asked, how come you're a Spurs fan? Because if you grew up in Northern Ireland in the 1980s and 90s, you're invariably a Manchester United fan or a Liverpool fan. And somehow I slipped through the net. I still don't have an answer for why I'm a Spurs fan. But here you go. There I am. Um, So as somebody who was born in 83... I vaguely remember the '91 FA Cup final. I know that I was wearing a Spurs shirt for it because I've seen a photo of me watching it wearing a Spurs shirt. But I don't really remember it because, let's face it, we don't remember things from when we're eight. So, if I think of the fact that I've been a Spurs fan for 30 years, I can probably remember we've won two League Cups. I mean, it's just—it is miserable, isn't it? <laughs> it's It's—it's—it's
0: it's, it's so strange.
1: Yeah. Um, but I do. But the only yeah. th- other thing I would say as well is, you know, and a lot of people will probably listen to this and go, oh, oh yeah, but you you would say that. But you know what I th- what I always say is, being a fan isn't necessarily about winning trophies. It's about the moments and the memories you have along the way. And okay, there was no trophy to show for it at the end of it, but winning, scoring three second half goals in Amsterdam. In the second leg, second half of a Champions League semi-final. That is a moment that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. I don't care if there was no trophy to show for it. I'm sure Spurs fans will remember that night a lot more than Manchester City fans will remember yet another League Cup win. Do you know what I mean? I think it's about the moments as a fan. Maybe as a player it's about the number of pots and pans you win on your way. But as a fan, it's about those moments.
0: Even for us, you know, like I remember the two league cups as well. It was lovely beating Chelsea, especially that. That was like a prime Chelsea team as well. That, we, yeah, that was a real, yeah. really, in the, in the, we don't want to say this type of stuff, but it was a, it was a, it was a giant killing of sorts at the time, you know, as, as beating that Chelsea side. It was amazing, but as you say, doesn't, doesn't remotely compare to, to something like Amsterdam at all. No. You know, that's, it's just one of the greatest memories in the in the in the club's history you know and i think talking on that chelsea point there and us sort of pondering as to whether or not you know spurs are cursed or not cursed. i know there's outliers you've got Leicester's, you've got wiggins but spurs still consistently overperform you know, we yeah, have this is it. Th- th- yeah. The ultimate point is we have absolutely no right to demand that we win stuff when there are teams like Manchester City and Chelsea, even Manchester United about Newcastle yeah. now as well, chuck them into the mix as well. They're going to be Premier League champions in the next decade. We all know we we all know that's 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 going to happen and it's not to take anything away from Eddie Howe. He's done a fantastic job, but it's not down to Eddie Howe that's going to see Newcastle win the Premier League. I mean, it may be in part, but I you know I we you know and I mean Spurs yeah. are we just forever kind of caught between we we are way bigger now than than the pack behind us but yeah. we're still a lot smaller than teams like Manchester City in, in a in a should we say in a spending power sense at the very least
1: Yeah I completely agree and look I, I think there's I think amongst this new generation of fans and since the dawn of the social media era, I think there's a lot of sort of unrealistic expectations on what Spurs should be. And, you know, I've got to get dogs abuse here for something like the biggest sort of Levy apologist or Enoch in whatever. I don't care. But, like, if you look, objectively speaking, from where Spurs were to where they are now, as you said yourself, there is the club has undoubtedly grown. Like, it is, we do have the, fact, the best stadium in the world. I don't care if people say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you've got the finest house if there's no furniture in it. The fact is, we've got the best, one of the best stadiums in the world. Daniel Levy built that. Even doing things like the All or Nothing documentary, that is done because he wants to showcase the club to a new fan base around the world, to bring in fans from different um, corners of the globe. Things like the concerts and NFL, which everyone uses as a stick to beat Levy with, that is done again to take the club to the next level in terms of their stature as this global business. Now, at the end of the day, are there any trophies to show for it? No, but that ain't Daniel Levy's fault. People say, oh, well, he didn't back managers at the time when, you know, he should have been back. There's undoubtedly truth in that. I'm not going to deny that. But. We've been in two title races. We've been in a Champions League final. We've been in numerous FA Cup semi-finals. I've lost count of how many FA Cup semi-finals we've lost now. There have been opportunities to win trophies, and it just seems like we are fucking cursed. Basically, it just seems that every time there is one of those little sliding door moments, we just, something happens to just absolutely screw us. It's an, it's it's difficult not to feel that way sometimes, you know. But you, like, do
0: you, do you, what I often sort of go on about on here basically is you know, we talk about kind of club DNA as if this is something that's so intrinsically a product of the club itself. But but I still think kind of when you do have these overarching narratives of Tottenham bottle it, Tottenham won't show up, go at Tottenham and they'll, you know, they'll collapse. Other teams are emboldened by this. Whereas, you know, we we talk about Arsenal winning stuff even when they were crap, winning a couple of FA Cups through their lean yeah. years. But that's still because the narrative is still always built up around them that it's still Arsenal at the end of the day. They know how to succeed. They know how to do yeah. And that will factor into the minds of the opposition. You know, All this stuff does play into it. So I think for as much as we want to continue to like beat up Tottenham for saying that like we never get it across the line and this is some kind of mental weakness in the club or whatever, it is... I, I, don't think you can deny the fact that no. other teams go at us. They really do, because they have it in their mind. They will just play with more freedom. You know, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. That's that's, that's I, I,
1: I I think you're definitely onto something there. I think it's a self fulfilling prophecy for opposition and for our own players as well. And I thought actually that week a couple of weeks ago was was a real case in point, right? One on the on the Tuesday night, Chelsea, who have been dog shit all season go out and they turn around a Champions League tie against Borussia Dortmund. It's because they're Chelsea and they puff their chests out. We've been here before. We've won this trophy twice. We know what it's all about. Likewise, Borussia Dortmund are there going, fuck, this is Chelsea. Okay, they might not have been great this season, but it's still bloody Chelsea at the end of the day. And sure enough, they're through to the Champions League quarterfinals. The following night, Spurs go out against a bang average AC Milan side that are there for the taking. But that bang average AC Milan side are there going? It's only Tottenham and Spurs. They're going. Oh, but you know, oh, I'm not sure if we can do it. And sure enough, we go out. And I just thought those that 24 hours kind of epitomised a big difference between Chelsea and Spurs. That Chelsea just knew they could turn that tyre around, whereas you just know in that Spurs dressing room they're going. Oh, can we though? Oh, I don't really know. And that also transfers onto the into the stands as well, right? With the fans. And th- this is. Th- Back to Pochettino, though. He's
0: the first... I mean, I would say Yol first of all, and then him, really, the two Mm. managers. Not to take anything away from Harry, but like you say, you know, he had a great team and he just kind of gave them the freedom to go out and play and do what they did Mm. best. But I I really think with Yol and with Maurizio Pochettino, they were... And Pochettino, to to a real, real high degree, really kind of was the person that was starting to... Change that about Tottenham. You know, he was starting right. to change about Tottenham by instilling a belief in them, by giving them a sense of confidence, giving them a sense of purpose, making them kind of stand up and be one of the bigger team, like be one of the yeah, be one of the bigger teams, be one of the best teams in Europe across yeah. a lot of his tenure. I I don't buy this idea that like we have to achieve that by having somebody like Antonio Conte come in and basically publicly slate them all constantly.
1: You yeah, know, I just this,
0: think that, that, that approach is so old hat, isn't it?
1: Completely. Uh, that completely ties into what I was saying earlier, which is like, <laughs> you know, the margins are so fine at that elite level that if you just have a manager who you know thinks the world of you and is constantly bigging you up, making you feel 10 feet tall, then that, that has such a difference. And that side, like... The tail end of the, those 2016-2017 campaigns, okay, I know we didn't win either either time in the league, but it just felt like we were just this juggernaut. Like, those players just, there was a cockiness and a, like, surety about them. Deli Alley just strutting about the place, Sonny and Harry, you know, it just felt inevitable that we were going to win every game, and not just win every game, but absolutely steamroller the opposition. And that was because they were, go- they were just bursting out of that dressing room thinking... We're going to fucking do this. This manager thinks the world of us, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now, this attitude of like them having to hear every press conference every bloody week this, oh, this is absolutely impossible. We can't possibly compete. We're just not good enough. It's going to take five or six transfer winners before I can turn around this club. Well, that is not, you're not going to go out there puffing your chest out, feeling 10 feet tall, having heard all that, are you? Well, and that's why be think, like,
0: why am i gonna why am i gonna play for this guy that obviously just wants to sell me at the first opportunity
1: yeah i'm not, not even and then even 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 that phrase there why am i going to play for this guy that implies that they then go out there and they're not giving 100 percent I, I still think they're giving 100 percent, but it's just you know what it's like if you're not happy in your place of work then obviously your work's gonna suffer no matter how hard you try um and i just think that this stick that's often used to beat that team with of oh they don't care they they've, they've got they're happy to settle for mediocrity they've got this losers mentality that's all fucking nonsense like they're all elite professional footballers of course they want to go out and win but if you're not at your absolute happiest happiest in your place of work then it has an effect on you and you know that i mean that sheffield united game still you know, I'm at, I'm at that stage in life now where I'm kind of old enough and I've seen enough to sort of think, ah, do you know what, it's only a fucking game of football. I've still got to get up and go to work in the morning. It doesn't really matter that much. That Sheffield United match a few weeks ago, I genuinely woke up the following day and I was still, like, shaking with anger. Oh, yeah, I like, good. What?
0: I thought you were about to be like, ah, yeah, so I didn't really care no, that no, much. I was like, I was I livid like, of that, that was
1: one. one. I, I genuinely, yeah. as a 40-year-old man, lost sleep that night. I was like, I cannot believe we've blown this opportunity to win the FA Cup. It was there for the taking. A home fucking quarterfinal against Blackburn Rovers. We'd now been in a semi-final against our bunnies, Manchester City, so we knew we we're going to win that one, one 0 and then into a final against either an average Manchester United side or a very beatable Brighton side. Anyway, I just I, I was I was like literally still so angry the out that Thursday morning, and I just thought what a missed opportunity. And then I go on to that bloody cesspool app. And everyone's going ah typical fucking Tottenham. The players don't care. No, the players do care. But eleven players who'd never played a single match together were thrown out in that pitch and told go out there, go out there and beat the second best side in the championship. Go on. And it's like it doesn't just work like that. You, you can't just click your fingers and expect them to all be, you know, sing on the same page. You know, for passes to stick. You know, it takes time for that to happen. And I just thought it was such an arrogant attitude to go out there thinking we'd. You know, oh well, we're definitely going to win this. at Sheffield United. Um, anyway, I've kind of gone off at a tangent there. No, it's absolutely A bit of a rant of my you've own. You've listened
0: to this pod before, you know. That's what it's, this pod's all about: tangents. You
1: know. Yeah, but I, my underlying point is the players do care, but the players I think need to feel that they that they need to be happy in their place of work. Essentially, what I'm saying, and they're not happy at the moment. And the person who would make them happy again is Mauricio Pochettino, and you know, for all this, you know, there'll be many people that ah, oh, you, you, you'll hear some corners of Spurs fans saying, ah, oh, we're fucked, ah, oh, we're absolutely fucked. It's like, well, we're not fucked. We're we're actually really close to still being a really, really good squad. Like I look at that squad, and I still think it's only two or three pieces away from being a seriously competitive team again. Um, and you just need to look at sides like Manchester United this season when they have brought in a manager who is just. You know, bought into the ethos of the club, bought into yeah. them. Look how quickly they've turned it round. Pains me to say it, but Arsenal, all they've done is bring in a couple of proven winners like Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, players who've been there, seen it done, and got the t-shirt. You know, won Premier League titles, and they've transformed the entire ethos of the, the rest of that team. And the rest of their team are these young players who have no scar tissue at all, and they're just going out there and expressing themselves. And we've got those young players with no scar tissue as well. So, you know, I, I really think that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of those very rare things, which is a glass half full Spurs fan, but I really think we're still not a million miles away. I always believe that, and I will continue to believe that. And I think bringing a manager who will get those players falling in love with each other again, falling in love with the manager again, going out there, you know, full of belief every week, couple of signings, and we can be competitive again. I mean, I say the word competitive, like we're not competitive now. We were fucking one bad penalty decision away from being third in the Premier League five days ago. But this is this is the mad thing, right, isn't it? That
0: despite everything that we're saying either about Conte or about these players or about the squad, the, the club being poorly managed and everything. As you say there, <laughs> we were one bad penalty call away from being third in the Premier League. And I know that's yeah. probably not, that's kind of partly reflective of the mistakes and such that other teams have made. But we're still there. We're still in that position. You know, we're not making those mistakes. So there's there's got to be something going on, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And people will, you know, bemoan throwing away a two-goal lead at Southampton or losing away at Wolves or getting absolutely hammered by Leicester a few weeks ago. But they'll sort of conveniently gloss over the fact that we completely... Controlled a game from start to finish against Chelsea a few weeks ago. That we did a job on West Ham. West Ham barely even had a shot on target yeah. in that game. That the Manchester City game. I mean, that was how long ago was that? Six weeks ago. You hear some Spurs fans speak at the moment. You'd think it was two years ago. It's like we completely outplayed the best team in the league two months ago. So it it, it it's it can happen. I mean, they're all quality players. They just need, as I said. A manager who trusts in them, who builds up their belief, who you know whatever. But um, I think there's enough young, exciting players in that squad that, with a couple of astute signings, and look, let's face it, most of our signings have been pretty decent of late. Um, I I still think we 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 can be a force next year. Let's uh, let's end on a on a
0: on a happier note, mate. Um, for now, hmm. anyway, Harry Kane. He's now yeah. England's all-time top leading goal scorer. He over, overtook Wayne Rooney last night with a with a penalty which obviously was much to the mirth of of rival fans, <laughs> tapping merchant, penalty merchant, all that type of thing. Yeah. Um this whole sense that he's always going to be remembered as the guy that won nothing unless he leaves Tottenham. Alan Shearer, okay, he won a Premier League, right? He won what he won one Premier League with with Blackburn Rovers, a side that's largely forgotten. As not even just the side, the club itself. Most probably, international fans probably don't even know who Blackburn Rovers are. You know, mm. Alan Shearer is not remembered for for winning one Premier League. Alan Shearer is remembered for his goal scoring exploits. Mm. Is that enough for Harry Kane? Though, do you think? I said I was going to end this on a happy note, but like, is it, <laughs> is, it, is, it is it enough for Harry Kane? Do you think? And regardless of that, like, what you know, just what. Just just give us some love, mate. What do, what do you think well, about yeah, the guy? Like, I mean, I'll, he's a sensation, I'll, right? He's our top I'll, scorer I'll, and England's in one season.
1: Unbelievable. I, and I'll start off by saying that my gut instinct, which has been wrong in the past, but my gut instinct is he's going to stay at Spurs. I, I can't see him leaving. It, it's, it's how I feel. Um, I don't think he's going to leave this summer. Um, I thought a couple of years ago when he was clearly making overtures to move to City and it didn't happen. I thought that was... His one big chance. And I don't think also, I I think he's, I just think he's really happy. I think he loves being at Spurs. I think he, you know, felt the warmth and the love from the fans at at that Man City game when Coisey interviewed him in the centre of the pitch and, you know, just looked around at those four stands that stayed there to to hang on his every word. He realises how adored he is by this fan base. I think he's happy. I think he's settled. He's a family man. I don't think he wants to sort of uproot it all just to go and look I think sometimes you need to sort of detach yourselves as fans and think you know look winning trophies is important for players of course it is but for Harry Kane what would be more of an achievement sticking around at Spurs maybe even winning like an FA Cup or a League Cup at some point by the law of averages surely we've got to win one of those bloody things sooner rather than later that would surely be much more of a sense of achievement Than fucking off to Bayern Munich and winning the Bundesliga, I could go and be in that Bayern Munich squad and still win the Bundesliga, and and that's where I. And I don't think he wants to leave England either. I think being breaking Alan Shearer's record is important to him. So that kind of leaves Manchester United. I mean, does he look at Manchester United and think, oh, they're in much better position to be challenging for top honours than Spurs? I'm not sure they are. Look, they've been fine this season. And I think everyone's sort of saying, oh, Manchester United, they're back where they belong. And, oh, uh, Erickson Hagg's a genius. Well, if, as I said a couple of answers ago, that penalty isn't awarded on Saturday, we're sitting above them in the table. So it's not like there's a, like there's a huge sort of chasm that's opened up between Manchester United and Spurs. So I think he's going to stay put is basically a long-winded way of saying that. Um as for you know what what more can you say about Harry Kane? We run out of superlatives. I mean, he's just what I find incredible about him is this constant hunger, this constant desire to improve himself as a player. Um he was the best number nine in the Premier League for many years. Not satisfied with that. I'm suddenly going to make myself the best number 10 in the league as well and suddenly start spraying these passes across the field like Kevin De Bruyne or Glenn Hoddle. And he's done that as well. Um, His work ethic for the team, the fact that every bloody corner, it was last night we saw it against Italy as well. Every corner is the best defensive player England have in the field as well. I mean... There's just... I run out of words to describe him. I, 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 he's such an unbelievable footballer. And we watch him week in, we go out for Spurs, so we appreciate him. I think a lot of fan, other fan bases don't. And there's this very strange tall poppy syndrome in England in particular, where when you have this superstar, this somebody who is at the very, very top of their chosen sport, this need to knock them off their pedestal. I don't get it. If Gary Kane was Northern Irish... Like, we would ab every single Northern Irish fan would absolutely worship the ground that he walks on. Whereas in England, it's like during the World Cup, you couldn't there was Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham fans, whoever, who couldn't fucking wait for him to miss that penalty against France just so they could say, Ah, Spursy, ah, Bottler, ah, we always knew his shit, ah, fucking Callum Wilson should have been playing instead of him anyway, he's dog shit. I don't get that. You've got one of the, the-, the world's very best footballers captaining your country. You should all absolutely love him because he's never once let his country down and he's never once let his club down and I just love the guy. And I think he's an unbelievable footballer, an unbelievable human being. The way he represents his country, the way he represents his club, every single manager I've spoken to says they wish they could have 11 Harry Canes. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? We just Let's just soak up and appreciate every moment we have with him because we won't see his like for a long time ever again.